Hello again, my friends, and welcome to another jam-packed edition of the Royal Ramble. I'm your host, as always, Blaine the Brain, and I invite you all to take this journey with me straight into the Dragon's Den. Now, I know you're probably confused by that sentence and trying to make a connection. What does it actually mean? Well, I often like to play around with my words, and I thought I'd try a little word association. Castle, fire, dragon, wrestling? Okay, maybe it's a work in progress, but I can tell you what actually did make perfect sense, and that was the WWE shows from this weekend. A very rare sentence indeed. Will AEW follow suit? Well, I'll be reviewing that show later this week with one of my loyal listeners who is actually attending All Out in Chicago. But for now, let's take a look at the crazy weekend that WWE had, and we're going to start with the Saturday afternoon show here in Eastern Canada, and that's Clash at the Castle. The show started off with a very Game of Thrones-inspired video intro, or perhaps Lord of the Rings. Both released new series recently, so it made sense, and added to the whole theme of the show. I kind of liked it. From there, we got into our very first match. It was the trio of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, now apparently known as Damage Control, against the team of Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. The announcers were actually really good here, I thought, educating us on some of the history of the individual match participants. It was basically Cole, Graves, and Saxton calling the entire show live, representing their respective brands. They noted that Bailey's team may be more united as they are entered together, while the Babyface team all came out separately. Sometimes a little attention to detail goes a long way. The match started off with Bailey and Bianca, although all six women eventually made their way into the ring to engage in a huge brawl. The heel team had Bliss isolated for a chunk of the match, which is like Tag Team Wrestling 101. This built to Asuka getting the hot tag and she came in like a house of fire. Later on, it was the champion Bianca who was isolated from her teammates. As Bliss and Asuka were knocked off the apron, Damage Control took advantage of Bianca with Bailey hitting the Rose Plant, and then Io followed up with a Moonsault, leaving Bailey to get the pin on Bianca. I like this as it definitely makes a case for Bailey as a number one contender, and Bianca can afford a loss without the title on the line. They air some footage from earlier in the night of a backstage interaction between Drew McIntyre and heavyweight boxing champion Tyson Fury, who was in the house Saturday night. From there, we also get highlights of the classic SummerSlam 92 bout between Bret Hart and Davy Boy Smith, which is one of my personal favorite matches of all time, taking place 30 years ago this week from London, England. Bret Hart and some of his family members are shown at ringside. I believe his daughter Beans was seated next to him, and I believe Harry Smith was also in attendance somewhere, although not shown on camera. The Intercontinental title was up for grabs next, as Gunther turned back the challenge of the UK's own Celtic warrior Sheamus, and this one was brutal with a capital B, as I'm sure we all expected it to be. I would definitely say it was Sheamus' best match to date. I can't make that same claim with Gunther, though, because of the two Dragunov matches, but it was certainly his best main roster match to date. Before things got underway, Ludwig introduced the third member of the former Imperium, Giovanni Vinci, who I would assume is now officially part of the main roster as he accompanied Gunther and Ludwig to the ringside. Just before the opening bell, all four corner men started brawling inside and outside of the ring as Gunther and Sheamus just stared at each other, much like what happened a couple weeks ago. But once they got into it, they really got into it, and Sheamus had the scars of war written all over his chest. I just knew it wouldn't be the same color coming out of this match as it was going into it. 
Gunther also targets Sheamus' back for most of the match, which sort of plays into the finish. As Sheamus goes for the brogue kick, he is unable to complete the move as his back gives out on him, and Gunther capitalizes with a powerbomb and then a stiff clothesline for the final three count to retain his title. But these guys looked like they had both been through a literal war, and I would say both of their stocks rose significantly as a result of this match. The new UFC welterweight champion Leon Edwards was then shown at ringside, making this show feel like a huge event. Shayna Baszler challenged Liv Morgan up next for the SmackDown women's title, and this is the match that I think would have been designated bathroom break for most. Nothing against the two performers, because they tried, but it just didn't click for me. I think they're attempting to make Liv into another Trish Stratus, but it's hard to say if it's working yet. The basic story here is Shayna constantly going after Liv's arm, Liv actually applied some submission holds of her own, and Cole noted that she had been training with Riddle for this match. As poor as the execution was, I at least have to give them credit for trying to justify this. The finish kinda came out of nowhere as Liv managed to escape the Karafuda clutch, and then hit a codebreaker and followed up with Oblivion to retain. I think this is one of the matches that could have gone either way, so I can't say I'm surprised by this, though I am kinda surprised that it ended so clean. There's an interesting video promo to hype up the Extreme Rules Premium Live event next month using Paul Heyman in the video as the event is in Philadelphia, which is the land of the extreme. UK wrestling legends Adrian Street and his longtime valet Miss Linda make the next cameo appearances at ringside. Edge teamed with Rey Mysterio against the Judgment Day team of Finn Balor and Damian Priest up next, and Edge came out wearing a luchador mask, though I'm not sure if there was any significance behind it, so if anyone knows, please fill me in. I haven't really been into this feud at all, but the match was really good. They built to Edge getting the hot tag, and he cleaned house, and actually executed his own version of the 619 delivered to Balor, which I guess he might call the 416. Later on, Balor tries for the coup de grace on Ray, but Dominic climbs into the ring to distract the ref. Wait, I thought Judgment Day were supposed to be the heels. Anyway, Rhea runs around ringside and attacks Dominic, and Ray ends up taking her out with a plancha. The end comes where Dominic trips up Balor, leading to the 619 from Ray and Spear from Edge, giving their team the win. After the match, Dom plants a swift kick to Edge's crotch out of nowhere, and as Ray tries to question him, Dom takes down his own father with a vicious clothesline, leaving smiles on the faces of all three Judgment Day members, though it wasn't really made too clear whether or not Dominic is actually part of that group now, or just flying solo. The match I was most looking forward to was up next, and it was Riddle, who has apparently regained his first name, so I can call him Matt Riddle now, taking on Seth Rollins. This is yet another match that starts with a brawl, but I think after last week's interview segment, this one was kind of warranted. Rollins powerbombs Riddle into the outside barricade, a move that has been known to end careers, but Riddle appeared to be fine. There was a nice spot where Rollins went for the move where he follows up a superplex with a falcon arrow, but Riddle blocks the falcon arrow attempt and counters into a fisherman buster. Not to be outdone, Rollins wiggles free of Riddle's triangle choke attempt, then counters into Riddle's own move, the Bro Derrick. At this point, these two were just showing off, going counter for counter, and I was loving every bit of it. Rollins flipped through a powerbomb attempt and drilled Riddle with a pedigree for a very close false finish. 
Rollins then starts talking trash about Riddle's wife and kids again, which causes Riddle to lose it, and he goes for a chair shot but misses Rollins, which I thought should have still been a DQ, but I guess it was at the referee's discretion. Riddle then chases Rollins back into the ring, only to be met with a stomp on the way in. Rollins then plants Riddle with another stomp, this time off the middle rope for the final three count. This was another one that I thought could have gone either way. I still think Riddle needed this win more, but given how competitive it was, I don't think this loss hurts him any. Earlier footage is shown of the Universal Champion Roman Reigns also meeting with Tyson Fury, just like his opponent Drew did before. Karrion Cross and Scarlet are then shown at ringside before the main event. It was Roman Reigns defending the WWE Universal Championship without his bloodline against Drew McIntyre. The UK crowd was just insane for this match. When Drew had the advantage on the floor, someone tossed a water bottle at him. And I initially thought it was just a rowdy fan, but it was apparently Karrion Cross. Drew got in Cross's face, but the distraction allowed Reigns to regain the advantage with a solid right hand. The finishing sequence basically consisted of Reigns hitting a spear on McIntyre, but Drew kicked out. Reigns then grabs referee Charles Robinson by the collar to protest the count, which allows Drew to drill him in the back of the head with a claymore, but the ref ends up bumping off the move as well as he's in front of Reigns. With both guys down, Theory comes racing out with his Money in the Bank briefcase, but he's knocked out by Tyson Fury who was sitting at ringside before Theory had a chance to cash in, but this was a really good tease though. Drew hits another claymore on Roman, but some hooded figure at ringside pulls the referee out, which I thought should have been another DQ. The man removes his hood to reveal himself as Roman's other cousin and the brother of the Usos from NXT, Solo Sokoa, who I'm guessing is also now officially joining the main roster from here. Solo's distraction and subsequent interference leads to Roman hitting a final spear for the final three count to retain his titles. After the match, the crowd comes to life and starts cheering for Drew, and then Tyson Fury gets into the ring. Fury shakes Roman's hand and then lifts Drew up and attempts to lift Drew's spirits by singing American Pie by Don McLean. Drew then breaks out into his own rendition of Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. This was very weird and seemed out of place. I was half expecting one of them to just drop the other, but that's how the show ended. All in all, it was one of the better WWE events in recent memory and certainly one of the best ones of the year. And the hits kept on coming as the weekend is far from over, my friends. On Sunday afternoon, it was the NXT superstars from both North America and the UK taking center stage for the Worlds Collide event. Admittedly, this was the show that I was most looking forward to. They pretty well booked the entire card in just one night, and it did not disappoint. I don't think anyone could possibly be disappointed by the performances of Ricochet and Carmelo Hayes in that opening bout for the North American title. They set the roof on fire and blew it clean off the building. It may have been WWE's answer to the AEW show, which also takes place this weekend. As a matter of fact, it's happening just as I speak. I'll be watching that one a bit later on. But back to the action, there were some pretty nice counter-for-counter -counter type exchanges in the early going, and the pace just picked up with each passing moment. There was an incredible spot where each guy went for a springboard cutter off opposite sides of the ring, and they just collided in the middle. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Ricochet looked to have victory well in hand with a recoil, but Trick Williams pulled Carmelo's leg underneath the bottom rope, causing the break. Ricochet then drop-kicked Trick off the apron, 
and went for a shooting star press on Hayes. He missed the move but landed on his feet and Hayes used Ricochet's own momentum to cradle him for a quick victory. Ordinarily, I'm not a fan of these out-of-nowhere type finishes, but this one made a lot of sense as it was hard to slow down either guy's momentum. Plus, it opens the door for a rematch down the road, which I'm all for. This was an absolute star-making performance by Hayes. They then air highlight footage of the feud between Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez. I am much more interested in seeing where this one goes now that I know that both ladies' futures are in Triple H's hands. Following that was another Quincy Elliott vignette. Actually, I think it was the same one that they aired this past Tuesday. I don't quite know what to make of this guy yet, but definitely a lot of potential there. The footage just keeps on coming as we then go to the parking lot where someone has apparently attacked Roderick Strong as Strong is shown beaten and bloodied on the concrete floor. The Creed brothers and Damon Kemp are backstage discussing what happened but still trying to hype themselves up for their tag title match. And that is where we go next. It's a four-way elimination match between current NXT Tag Team Champions Julius and Brutus Creed, Pretty Deadly, the UK Tag Team Champions Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, and Gallus from NXT UK. The ladies actually get into it pretty early as Lash Legend and Fallon Henley start brawling on the outside. There was a crazy spot where everyone just kept diving to the floor onto all of their opponents and in some cases teammates. Back in the ring, Jensen is tripped up on the top rope, which leads to a splash from Mark Coffey to eliminate the now-former UK Tag Team Champions, Jensen and Briggs. The second elimination happens when the Creed brothers execute a modified Doomsday device with a hip attack instead of a clothesline on Wolfgang, and then Julius finishes Wolfgang off with a basement clothesline for Gallus' elimination. Eventually, both teams of Gallus and Brooks and Jensen all make their way back out to ringside as they're all brawling in the entranceway with security trying to break them up, and then the referee in the match is taken out in the melee. Back in the ring, Julius is dominating Elton Prince of Pretty Deadly. Kit Wilson tries running in but is immediately taken down by Damon Kemp with a spear, but then as soon as Julius turns his back, Kemp levels him with a steel chair, turning heel, and then follows up with a spinebuster, leading to Pretty Deadly walking away as the unified tag team champions. And all this time, I expected Brutus to be the turncoat. Get it? Tony D'Angelo is backstage having some biscotti and coffee with stacks as Cameron Grimes walks by. D'Angelo invites Grimes over to the table and says now that he's fired Legato, there's an opening in his crew, and he invites Grimes to have some biscotti and make him an offer. But Grimes is quick to reject, saying that he isn't hungry, and then walks away. The triple threat match is next to unify the NXT and UK women's titles. It'll be the legend Miko Satamora, who gets the streamers as part of her entrance, against Blair Davenport against Mandy Rose. This match was actually much better than I expected, and I thought Mandy more than held up her own in there, despite not having the experience of the other two. As I predicted, Davenport was simply placed in the match to take the pin, and that's exactly what happened. Satamora leveled Davenport with her Scorpio Rising maneuver, but as she picked Davenport up to finish her off, Rose hit both opponents with her version of the V-Trigger called Kiss by a Rose, which secured her victory, and she is now the unified women's champion. I really expected Toxic Attraction to be called up to the main roster following this event, but if they're sticking around, I think this was 100% the right call. Mackenzie Mitchell interviews Wes Lee backstage about the comments made on Tuesday by J.D. McDonough. Lee basically says McDonough doesn't shoot to kill, but he shoots to wound. 
and then he challenges McDonough to a match this coming Tuesday. The women's tag titles are defended second from the top as Katana Chance and Caden Carter, they really need to think of a name for that team, defend against Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop. This match felt out of place and the finish was kind of weird. The heel team dominated most of the match, especially Dewdrop, and then out of nowhere, Toxic Attractions music hits, and out comes Gigi Dolan and JC Jane to brawl with Nikki in the entranceway, which should have definitely been a DQ. This distraction allows Chance and Carter to double-team Drewdrop and keep their belts. This was a very uncreative finish. The Dyad are backstage talking about Cameron Grimes rejecting Joe Gacy's offer to join them when Grayson Waller walks past their table. They attempt to recruit him, but Waller is suddenly approached by Mackenzie Mitchell, who asks about his actions in the match with Apollo Crews this past week. Waller says he actually spoke about that with his mother, who scolded him, saying that that's not how he was raised, to which Waller responds that his mother can kiss his ass, and the only thing he cares about is the Grayson-Waller effect. The main event was up next. It was another unification match for the NXT and UK heavyweight titles to be contested between Braun Breaker and Tyler Bate. This match was fantastic. It took a while to get going, but once they found their rhythm, it felt very smooth in the ring. This was most definitely Breaker's best match to date. They went counter for counter, each kicking out of the other's signature moves until Bates sprung off the ropes and got caught out of nowhere with a spear from Breaker, who became the unified, undisputed NXT champion. The finish was kind of anticlimactic, but overall it was a solid match, and I must say that Braun Breaker, Mandy Rose, the Creed Brothers, Pretty Deadly, and Carmelo Hayes all came out of today's event looking like huge stars. That's really what pro wrestling is all about, isn't it? Well, as I said, there will be a bonus episode this week as I will be joined on Tuesday by one of my loyal listeners to review the AEW All Out event. Until then, I'll leave you with an ABC. Yeah.